0: Uh, we just saw a clip there from Les Mis, uh, one of my favorite sort of stories and musicals, you know, and those, the characters involved in that clip, there's the bishop and uh, the, the, the Jean Valjean, who's the criminal, has come into his house and he's stolen from this bishop. And uh, he's left early in the morning and some police officers have caught up with him and they drag him back into the bishop's house or there in the church. And what was going on there was that the bishop, uh, you know, all the police officers are going, this man is guilty, he's stolen from you. And the bishop comes and he says, no, no. And actually, he, did you see that moment where he says, no, actually, Jean Valjean, you have, you've forgotten something. Why? You know, and he gives him the candlesticks as well. And this, there's this incredible moment of grace and forgiveness and this gift of a new beginning. And uh, if you know the story, the story continues where Jean Valjean leaves and he lives in the light of that gracious act of being given a new opportunity a new generosity and as a result of that that man's life is changed forever and as you guys are being baptized today that is what's happened isn't it you've received a whole new beginning and we in the passage that we're going to look at today is that we want to live in the light of that a new beginning for all of us. So, if you've got your Bibles, um, or I think, can I get some people maybe to dish out some Bibles? There's a couple here. If you haven't brought a Bible with you and you want a Bible, um, that'd be fantastic. Sorry, I don't know your name. John. John's going to be dishing out a Bible or Bibles. Uh, and if you h- haven't got a Bible at home, these are gifts. You can receive a gift today and uh, live in the light of this gift we're giving you. So, we're in page. 1,172 uh, were in Galatians. I don't know about you guys, but uh, we've been really enjoying this series in the South. And um, I think it's causing us as a congregation and a community to really understand that we are a people of grace and that uh, there is incredible liberty and freedom in that. And, uh, I, you know, we begin to see that in our worship. You know, if I could report anything, uh, what's been happening in the South Side is just an incredible release in terms of people's expression uh, to, uh, to, towards God. Um, two weeks ago, we had a moment where people were dancing in the aisles. So, uh, yeah, it was hilarious. But, you know, I just want, I feel like I want to say to you today here at GP, there really is freedom in Jesus. A freedom to be yourself and a freedom not to worry about what the person on the left and the right thinks about you. When God is speaking to you, he wants to breathe a freedom into you to respond and you know, any way that you want to. He calls us to be free. And that's where we're going to be today. We're going to, let me, we're going to read a little bit out of Galatians chapter 5 starting at verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will destroy each other. And so Paul is just kicking off this particular passage and he's sort of saying guys you've been bought for a price you've received a new beginning now live in the light of that and don't return to the way that you were don't return and don't allow the sinful nature to continue to rule and reign in your life because you are now you have a new king in your life that's what he's saying he's saying you have been given a new sense of freedom Now live out this new life, and live it in the Spirit. And so, let's keep reading. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he changes tact. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. It's quite a powerful and maybe even quite a hard hitting passage today. And I think that Paul is asking a question. And the question is what kind of a life do you want to really have? And it's a question that he's already asked in chapter 4 of Galatians. In chapter 4 of Galatians, he asked a question. He said, what kind of a son do you want to be? And he talks about being an Isaac or an Ishmael. You may remember and recall that particular passage that we looked at. Probably, You guys probably looked at it maybe a month ago. Do you want to be a son that inherits all that God has for you? Or do, you want to be, or do you want to have a life where you miss out on the goodness and the kindness and the reality of Christ? And so he's asking a very similar question today. He's saying, what kind of a tree do you want to be? It's like that advert, isn't it? I want to be a tree. Remember that? That's a long time ago. I don't know. So, but what kind of a tree... Do you want to be? Because he's talking a lot here about fruitfulness. What kind of a life do you want? Because he paints a picture where one of the lives it seems to be very attractive and the other that may not be quite so. He's saying, what kind of nature do you want to govern your life? The nature, the old nature, the sinful nature, or the nature of the Holy Spirit? because both of these natures, let's put it that way, are not passive natures. There is no neutral ground, it seems to be, in the picture that he is showing us today. Both of these natures produce, there is an outcome to them. And so he very starkly lists them, doesn't he, and paints the picture of the product, of the fruit of one of the natures, and then the nature of the spirit, and he puts them side by side. So I think we have then a tale of two trees, a tale of two lives, a tale, if you like, of two types of fruit that will be produced in our lives. He describes them as the actions of an inner life you ever been in that situation i'm sure this has never happened to any of you guys today but have you ever been in one of those situations where you suddenly say something and it's come out, and you haven't even realized it, and it's out, and everything goes into slow motion. You ever have you make a comment like that? I know that Jim Purdy never does that, because he is so measured and thought through, but some of us haven't quite made that kind of perfection yet. So, some of us who are verbal processors, sometimes we we, we encounter things, we're having a conversation, and suddenly the stuff inside us is coming out, and it's like a slow motion moment where it's like, and then you're like, no! Oh, I need to get this back in quick. You know, it's the old toothpaste gag. You know, we used to do assemblies at school. I don't know if any of you have done this. And we'd talk about the power of the tongue. And we'd get a tube of toothpaste. And we'd get some kids up at the front. And we'd go, right, guys, on your marks, get set, go. Who can get the toothpaste out quickest? And they'd be like, you know, and there'd be toothpaste everywhere. And then we'd go, now, guys, get it back in the tube. And they'd look at you like, Eh? And so they've got the tube and they're trying to... Th- and it's just not happening. Because, you see, so often, you know, the condition of what's in here, you know, it comes out, doesn't it? And often we like, ah, oh! so, so if you like, what comes out of us is a direct product of really what's going on in here. Or have you ever done something? I'm sure that none of us in this room have ever got cross in a car... Have we, Tony Treasure? It's not a word of knowledge. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of you in here I don't know. I'm just picking on the ones I do. Because we've done time together, you know. You know what I mean? Everyone, every, you know, that, that moment of the kind of rage. and It's in us. And, and what's in us produces... outcome and fruit and that's what Paul is getting at so let's just have a quick look at the list if you like in verse 19 The acts the outcomes of the sinful nature the old nature you know Immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I mean, that is an attractive list, isn't it? Not. Maybe another way of describing this is this. It's self-pleasure. It's self-advancement. It's self-promotion. It's wanting what others have. For self. It's about benefiting me at the cost of others. It's hoping that others trip and fall, so I rise. When you start to look at that list, it really is about the self. It's putting me and my wants at the very, very center. I become the center of the world. He put me in the center of it all. It's unrestrained response. It's unguarded rage. It's about gathering people, the faction thing. It's about gathering people to my opinion because I'm right and you're wrong. That's what he's trying to describe here. And when I don't get my own way, then it's resentment, it's jealousy. I guess as you read that list, the sinful nature produces a life, ultimately, that takes away from others. It takes and throws away. It takes. It's a takeaway attitude. It's a takeaway culture. It treats life as cheap and messy. I think Paul concentrates, if you like, here on the social or the uh, relational sins. Jealousy, anger, envy, backbiting, devouring, discord. All of this stuff is bubbling to the surface. This is what he says, that the old nature... The sinful nature will produce in our lives you ever been around people that just never seem to be happy for other people you ever been around that where somebody else gets a promotion and it's like you know ching ching cheers yeah right you ever been around that or you know someone's getting married and loads of people are like oh that's fantastic so glad you found someone, God's given you a wife or a husband, and wow, and there's a miserable somebody going, "Oh, why was not it me?" <laughs> you, you, you ever been around people like that? Because they've placed themselves at the center of the, of the universe. You' saying that's the stuff what is produced by the old nature. And ultimately, in verse 21, you can look there, it says, Paul says, but ultimately, a life like this doesn't represent the kingdom of God. In fact, he's saying you won't get in when, it's, when you live like this. And that's because the kingdom of God gives a way to benefit others. It's not a take from you to To benefit me but the kingdom of God is I've got this and I'm gonna give it away to benefit others it's the absolute reverse isn't it it's not a takeaway culture it's a giveaway culture it's a giveaway life the old nature the sinful nature sucks life out of others for the benefit of the self Again, I'm sure none of us have uh, been around people like this and none of us have ever operated like this. But I know I have and I've been around people where they're so negative and you can feel it like sucks the life out of you. And, And they never seem to be happy about anything. And it's like when you're around them, it's like, oh, what is that? It's because they're allowing bitterness and all of that to just rule in their lives. You know, the amazing thing is this, that Jesus wants to set us free from all of that. And for you guys getting baptized today, your life has been changed, transformed. And now you're to grow, not in that old way, but in a new way. And it's so exciting. What an attra- You know, that is an unattractive life isn't it? When you're around people who are bitter and full of envy, you're just like, I don't really want to be around you. But then he flips it on its head and says, you know, but the, but the kingdom of God is a culture of giveaway. It's a giveaway culture. And he says, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the absolute antithesis of of what the, nat- the old nature is. So look at that. Peace. So it starts with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The total opposite. The polar opposite of the sinful, self-orientated nature. And he kicks off there. Life in the spirit is a life, first and foremost, of love. Of love. Look at verse 13, right at the very beginning. You, my brothers, were called to be free, not to use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but here it is rather serve one another in love. I'm so glad the Purdy's are sitting here on the front row. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time. They know me really well, they know my weaknesses my few strengths (laughs) but you know we have the amazing privilege of hanging out with them and we've been on holidays with them as a family I just want to tell you one story that I I think illustrates and sums up what it means to be a people of love we were sat having dinner with them one evening Jim was cooking it was the turkey (laughs) You might remember that. Anyway, we're having dinner. It was great. And we'd had a lovely dinner, and then we decided to have dessert. And I don't know who brought them. I can't remember if it was us or you, but the kids had kinder egg surprises. Remember, Chloe? Yeah, she's nodding. And so, you, need, you know, if any of you know, you know those kinder egg surprises, you know, little egg there, you know. I think you need, a, you need the, the grip of a gorilla and a, a degree to get inside them because inside is like a little toy that you kind of make you know it's great so the kids got them and these guys were a lot younger and my kids were quite a bit younger and we were having our tea and coffees after and um and uh, i won't embarrass chloe too much but she 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 had opened hers up and and tried to make her toy and actually she was deeply disappointed with the gift And uh, our girls were playing with theirs, and Luke was at the other side of the table, and he'd made his toy up, and it was brilliant. Everybody was, like, kind of envious of Luke's little toy. But Chloe was a bit of a grump bag (laughs) that day. She's never like that now, you know. Wow! But here she was just... "Mm (laughs) Just... So this is what happened. Without anybody saying anything, my hero Luke gets out of his chair, walks round us adults, comes to his grumpy sister, takes her rubbish toy and gives his brilliant toy to Chloe. Walks round the table and sits back down and I just watched the most amazing act of I am going to give so my sister will benefit you see when Paul says the first fruit of the spirit is love love is the foundation and is the spring in which all the other fruits come and that little act in that, around that dinner table that day gripped me. And I've told that story all over the place because I think there's something of the essence, isn't there, of what real love is. Okay, it's about a toy, but actually... When you take that principle and you start to build and expand on that, there is something deep about the gospel and the love of Jesus that was being produced in Luke in that moment that needs to be produced in you and me. And when we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit, He produces that in us so that when we're around other people, we start to operate from a place of love. Do we want the sinful nature to run our lives, or do I want the Holy Spirit to fill me and to be a life of love and giving to others, bringing life to them? Paul's saying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in a world that isn't kind, in a world that has no patience, patience is produced. It's so opposite to the things of this world. It's so countercultural. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch of itself can bear fruit of itself. That whole chapter of John 15, because we're talking about the fruit, he's saying the overflow of the vine produces the fruit. Isn't that right? When more of Christ in us, uncontainable goodness and kindness of Jesus, when we experience and understand and know that, then out of that it flows. You know, grapes, aren't they? Grapes are basically the overflow of the vine sap. Great vines produce great grapes. And we are connected to the greatest vine, the life-giving vine, full of patience, kindness, love and joy running in our veins. I don't know about you, but when I because we live in community, don't we? The church is the community of God. It's it's the body of Christ. Fruit is designed to be picked and eaten. It's not just to benefit the vine. It's to benefit people around us. And I know there are people here in this congregation and in our own church where I have experienced the goodness of what God is doing in other people's lives. And when I have tasted it, it's been extraordinary. You know, when we brought India home from the hospital, you know, when she was a baby, people... You know, were giving us me. They'd cooked meals for us. You know, they, they were around to support us. And recently when India, you know, my daughter who's 12 now, you know, had been poorly last year, I have never experienced such goodness from you guys. The emails, the texts, the prayers, the practical support. I mean, that is, God is at work. And I am experiencing the fruit of God at work in your lives. And boy, does it taste good. It tastes so good. But I want to suggest it: the fruit of your life does something really extraordinary in mine. I think when God starts to do stuff in us and produce the patience, the love, the grace, and the kindness, what it does when I've tasted that It encourages me to be a better follower of Jesus. It uncovers a better me. You ever experienced that? When somebody has been deeply patient with you, when you've been wrestling with something, somebody's got alongside you, and they've been patient with you, and kind with you, and worked things through until you got through it. When people have done that with me, it's uncovered. I want to be more like that. It uncovers something. It says, there's a better me underneath the self that so often wants to come and rule. And I think that happens in church, but I think it happens also in our witness to those that don't know Jesus. We've got some friends who, in the last year, have probably had quite a tough year. And they've got a lot of non-Christian friends. And the non-Christian friends have recently begun to say to them, how on earth did you get through last year? We see in you unbelievable like kindness in that situation. You see, what's happening is they are not only seeing, but they are tasting the fruit of what God has been doing in those people's lives. And as a result, it's connecting with their better person that's in there. Yeah, It's speaking to the better person that's in there. That's underneath their selfishness. And it's drawing that better person to the surface and saying, you too can be like this. That's what God's Spirit does when He's at work in people's lives. It draws the best out in me. The evidence and the reality of Christ at work in us. I think the psalmist got it right. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It was a little challenge as I read that. I, wondered, I wonder if the church really is producing um, this fruit. Does the world look at the church and go, yeah, they are a people full of love and patience and kindness. I think it is, but I think there's always more, isn't there, for all of us in our workspace, in our families. Okay, let's land this thing. So we've been kind of looking at the two trees. What kind of a life? Do we want a life ruled by the self? Or do we want a life that comes from the Spirit of God Himself? So let's go back to the first couple of verses of this uh Passage that we looked at in 13. Paul's saying don't use the freedom that Christ has given us to return to the behavior and the thought processes that will in turn lead us backward and back into that place of, I guess, uh, the place where we were rescued in the first place. And then in verse 17, uh, um, I, it says this, it says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit What is contrary to the sinful nature they are in conflict with each other and here's the thing that I read and it bugged me it said so that you do not do what you want so when I first read this there's other passages in the Bible where even the Apostle Paul says I do the very thing that I don't want to do but actually this is not what he's saying he's saying I now because I'm a man of the Holy Spirit I cannot do what the old man wants to do There is now tension in my life See when you give your life to Jesus Which you guys have done And you've asked the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you By the way, welcome to a life of tension Because when the Spirit of God enters into us and, And fills us Think what's going to happen is when we start to, or we're in, a, we're in those moments where where we, we kind of want to do the stuff that we used to do, the Spirit of God in us starts to prick our conscience. Doesn't anyone ever experience this? There's that moment where the, like, the brakes go on or there's almost a, Ugh, what am I doing? Whereas previously, you never had that. It was totally fine to go and do whatever I wanted to do to get angry, to do whatever, and suddenly there's a, there's, a, there's a moment, and that's what he's talking about. He says you cannot now continue to do what you want to do because the Holy Spirit is in you, and he wants to cultivate a different attitude in your life, which is great, but that means we have a choice. Because it doesn't always happen. You know, that moment happens, and then we have to choose. And in verse 24, what does it say? It says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Those who belong to Jesus, those who have chosen to follow him, now... Because we've made a choice, belong to him, and therefore we are going to do something with the old nature. Paul says, you're going to crucify it. Now, I was thinking about crucifixion. Easter's coming, isn't it? And we think about how they nailed Jesus to that cross and how painful that all was. But most men and women who were crucified died of asphyxiation. The process was like, yeah, that, that's what happened. Their bodies gave up and they asphyxiated. You see, when we want to do what we, all, what we used to do, and we have that Holy Spirit conviction moment, that when we choose to say no and pursue the things of the Holy Spirit, in that moment, what we're doing, we are beginning to asphyxiate the old nature. We're starting to strangle the power and the life in the old nature. And the more often that we choose not to do that, but to pursue the things of Him, it's like the asphyxiation of the old nature is tightened. And when something hasn't got life, it doesn't have power, does it? And so when Paul says we are crucifying the old nature, this is a process now. And let's be honest, crucifixion would take time sometimes. And for some of us, this is good news. Because some of us are struggling with some of the stuff of our past. But when we make that choice and say, Holy Spirit, I know I want to get angry with this person. And you're choosing to say, God, I need help in this moment. And we're turning away from that. And we're saying, I want your love, Lord. I want to love that person. In that moment, we're going to the old man, die a little bit more. You're not going to have power over me. You see that? We're asphyxiating. We're crucifying the old way. And so when you guys are being baptized today, you're saying, I am dying with Jesus. I'm saying no to the selfishness of my life and yes to the amazing generosity and goodness of Jesus to be flowing through me because I don't want to be a life that sucks it out of others to benefit me, but I want a life where the Holy Spirit, as it says in John chapter 7, is overflowing out of me, spilling onto others and bringing life where there wasn't in other people that is what Paul is wanting to encourage us today he's saying do you want a life for the old or the new because I know one thing when I read this passage I see a really attractive life in the Holy Spirit and then just to wrap up completely it's very interesting when you look at that list nine 10 out of 15 of that negative list of the sins of the old nature are to do with relationships they're to do with how we engage with one another the opening couple of lines that we read he says if you keep on biting and devouring each other watch out or you will destroy one another for some of us, when we read that list, you know what? We've immediately focused on sexual immorality and drunkenness. It's in there. That's not helpful. But there's a whole chunk in there that actually, and in the context of this passage, he's talking to the church about backbiting and falling out with one another. And he's saying, guys, this is a problem. This is the old way. You are called to be a united people not to live with discord. And so we're called then to be a family, a family that extends love to one another, grace and patience in a supernatural, supernaturally unusual way that brings life. And so as we land today, I just want to throw out this challenge. If there is any of us here in this room today, in this family, city church where we are living with any kind of discord amongst one another we must do everything we can to resolve it in fact Paul back in the, the, the again the first couple of lines he says rather serve one another in love if we want to put things right if anyone in here today or Has something against somebody else or you've had a fallout the way to put it right Is to go and serve that person? In love and I think Paul has been very deliberate to serve somebody You're willing to get low aren't you you're willing to humble yourself You're willing at times to say do you know what you are right and I am wrong And I want to somehow now help you and serve you and put that right. And so I think there's incredible encouragement in this passage for us to live, you know, a life that gives and benefits others. But that has to also happen, not just kind of in a big way out there, but actually in the very nitty-gritty of our marriages and of our sons and daughters, mums and dads relationships, and also amongst our peers and our friends. Especially because we are a people of love. So hopefully this, in this passage, there's something in it for all of us today. For those of us getting baptized, it's a new day. woo for some of us, it's still a new day. Woohoo! <laughs> because it's a new day because you need to leave, some of you maybe need to leave this room today and put something right. And say, actually, and as you do that, guess what? It's a new day. It's a new day in here for us. Why don't we stand, guys?